from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. We are celebrating the 242nd anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence this week, America's birthday, the 4th of July, when the town of Newburyport, Massachusetts, celebrated the 61st anniversary of Independence Day in 1837, they invited former President John Quincy Adams, son of founding father John Adams, to speak. In his speech, he said, the birthday of the nation is indissolubly linked with the birthday of the Savior. It laid the cornerstone of human government upon the first precepts of Christianity. What was so obvious to our founders and the following generations, but lost on much of America today, is that Jesus was born to set us free. By his birth, his death, and his resurrection, Jesus paid for our sins, reconciled us to God, and proclaimed liberty. Our founders acted on the biblical truth that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, and took seriously the command, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. That's why the founders could write in the Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights. But those God-given rights are in jeopardy today as secularists and atheists chip away at our Christian heritage and our constitutional rights. Dr. D. James Kennedy tackles the implications of what happens when we question whether America is one nation under God. And now will you turn with me please to Psalm 33 as we hear the word of our God. Psalm 33, we will begin our reading with the eighth verse. Let us hear the infallible word of the living God. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance." And may God speak to our hearts this day through this portion of his word, and may his name ever be praised. Amen. 
In the spring of 1999, Michelle Shocks, an African-American woman, was riding a bus in Seattle, Washington. She struck up a conversation with a man sitting next to her, and they were talking about their churches. She told him some things about hers, and he was quite interested, and the bus driver overheard them and asked them to come forward. She then told them to stop talking about God in this public setting. If they didn't, she said, she would have to kick them off the bus. Stunned, they went back to their seats, and he just asked one question because they had been interrupted and he wanted to hear the answer to that. And when she told him, the woman stopped the bus and said, all right, that's it, get off. Now, Michelle was pregnant and it was pouring rain and she was over a mile from her destination and there wasn't any bus coming for quite a while and she had no umbrella. But she walked over a mile in the rain, pregnant as she was. She reached her home, she said she was like a a drowned rat. Well, there it is, folks. Is that a foregleam of things to come? If so, you'll notice that for Christians, (laughs) it's not the back of the bus, it's off the bus altogether in the wonderful world of secularism that there are those that would try to create for us. People like the atheist who just sued to get rid of the words under God in our Pledge of Allegiance. He's the same man who had tried to get rid of some other things that mention God in our country. He makes it a private crusade to scratch out under God on all of the currency that goes through his hands. But there was such an uproar that uh, they put it on hold. Just what will happen to it now, I'm not sure. But it is interesting. One nation under God. A Pledge of Allegiance. I'm going to tell you something about the Pledge of Allegiance that I doubt that any of you have ever heard. It was designed as a subversive instrument to turn this nation into a socialist country. How many of you ever heard that before? One man. Well, The man who wrote it was a man by the name of Francis Bellamy. He introduced it in 1891. He was a socialist. His cousin, Edgar Bellamy, was an even more noteworthy socialist who wrote the second most popular book of the 19th century, which uh, described a move of this nation onward into socialism by the year 2000. Now, this was a flag that was going to be used, and when the socialist nations of the world combined, they would all hold this. Now, it was different than what we have today. For example, it said, I pledge allegiance to my flag. No mention of the United States of America, which would be submerged into the world socialist coming order. And of course, there was no mention of God. Now, as we've seen many times, 
Christians will come up with good things and unbelievers will turn them into something bad. Well, what happened with the pledge? When it was introduced into the schools, the people in America became concerned that there was no reference to the United States of America, so they got the Congress to change my flag to the flag of the United States of America, much to the utter consternation of Francis Bellamy. That was back in the 20s. And then in the 50s, 54, Congress again acted and declared that we should insert the words under God. If Bellamy had still been alive, that would have been the coup de grace for him, and he certainly would have died instantly on the spot of a heart attack. And what happened is that now the Pledge of Allegiance is exactly opposite of what he designed it to be. It is a truly patriotic pledge uh, to the United States flag and a nation under God. So, thank the Lord, we won that, and most of us never knew the battle was going on, did we? Praise the Lord for his providential care. So, they say that this nation is not a nation under God, that there was no godly foundation. I've heard people say numerous times, this was never a Christian nation. It was never founded as such. Ah, my friends, those that say that have little understanding of the historical foundation of America. For example, let's review a few things. If you go back to the beginning, in 1620, the pilgrims landed in America, but before going ashore, they gathered in the captain's quarters and they wrote the birth certificate of America, the Mayflower Compact, as it's called. And how did it begin? Many people would see this as really the beginning of, the, of America. It begins with these words. In the name of God, amen. This country had nothing to do with God. Well, that would have come as an amazing bit of news to the pilgrims. Having undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith, in honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in northern Virginia, and so on. In the name of God, for the advancement of the Christian faith. And what was the first thing that they did? According to uh, Governor Bradford, who wrote the history of it, being thus arrived in a good harbor and brought safe to land, they fell upon their knees and blessed the God of heaven. And in Jamestown, the first thing they did was build a large wooden cross. By the way, that was on publicly or governmentally chartered land. And then they fell upon their knees and thanked God. Yes, that's the way that it started. And it continued through numerous other various charters and constitutions down through the years after that. Or if you come to 1643... That's only 23 years after the pilgrims landed. For the first time, all of the settlements which became the various states of New England got together in what is known as the New England Confederation. And there they declared why all of them had come to these, this new continent. And here's what they said in the New England Confederation of 1643. Quote, whereas we all came into these parts of America 
with one and the same end and aim. What was it, this end, this aim, that they all, of all of the colonies, got together and said that they came here for one end and aim, namely, to advance the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and to enjoy the liberties of the gospel in purity and in peace. But if we jump ahead to the Declaration of Independence, we find that a number of times it mentions the Creator. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. You notice they're not evolved equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable, we say today, inalienable rights. And among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now friends, Bellamy and his kind, who were associated with the Fabian socialist movement, which had just begun in England two years prior to his writing this pledge, Their idea was to move stealthily and incrementally on toward establishing the same goal that the Marxist revolutionaries tried to do by sudden revolutions. They wanted to do it peacefully and little by little, deceptively deceiving the people until finally they achieved their goal. But the goal was, and always is, the total state. If our rights and liberties do not come from God and are not inalienable, then they come from the state, and they are very alienable. The state gives, and the state takes away what it gives according to its own pleasure. That when you get rid of inalienable rights come from God, you get very alienable rights that come from a totalitarian state. And when the state is the final authority, then friends, that is totalitarianism, that is despotism. And that is exactly what the French established in France shortly after our revolution. That all rights of all people came from the sovereign state. And you know how the blood flowed in the streets of Paris. I noticed that the Sin Sentinel said recently that they didn't want to have God in this particular piece, somebody said. They wanted the people to be sovereign. My friends, no such thing exists. That is the lie. The reality is when you wake up and you find you have a sovereign state telling you what to do. That's exactly what happened in Nazi Germany. That's exactly what happened in the Soviet Union. They always talked about the rights of the proletariat, the rights of the people. The people had no rights at all. It was the government that had all power and used it despotically. So, When you come even to the Constitution of the United States, some people say it never mentions God. It states very clearly at the end that this is done in the year of our Lord, 1887. They could have simply said 1887 A.D., but they spelled it out. They not only acknowledge Jesus Christ, but they acknowledge him as Lord, as the one who has divided 
the centuries in half. And repeatedly, over and over again, individually, they make reference to their belief in him. Most all of the founders were Christians, with very few exceptions. Exceptions about 5%. In fact, it's hard to find more than five people of the 250 that are considered the founding fathers in that whole era that are not easily identified as Christians. By the way, those are the only five that the school books talk about today. They ignore the other 245 mostly. Well, George Washington, who was a devout Christian, if you doubt that, read his book of prayers that he wrote as a young man, some of the most godly evangelical prayers that I have ever read in my life. He's a man that every morning he spent an hour on his knees in front of a chair with an open Bible on it. Every evening he always left, regardless of what was happening, at nine o'clock and went and spent another hour on his knees reading the Bible and praying, and praying out loud, as was the custom of many in that day. People say that he was not a Christian. I would simply say to them, let me ask you to do this. For the next month, you pray two hours every day and read your Bible, and then come back and tell me if you think he was or was not a Christian. When he was inaugurated as the first president, he placed his hand upon a Bible, when he took the oath to God, he bent over and kissed the Bible and then led the whole Congress to St. Paul's for a two-hour service of worship and thanksgiving. And then, what was the first thing that happened? A group of people, very shortly thereafter, asked him to declare a day of thanksgiving, a national day of thanksgiving. Now, obviously, these people were ignorant of the true separation of church and state. They would have known that no such thing as that was permitted by the Constitution and by the amendments to it. These people were obviously know-nothings that had not even read the Constitution. Well, as a matter of fact, those people were the Congress who had just passed and written the Constitution. They knew exactly what it meant. It meant nothing like what the ACLU tries to deceive people into thinking that it means today. So that's where he began, and he had the first declaration, proclamation of thanksgiving, in which he said this, Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly implore his protection and favor. He goes on to call the country to thanksgiving. It is a duty of all nations, said the father of our country, to obey the will of God, which is set forth in the Ten Commandments. And God has nothing to do with this country? Well, how about the constitutions of our several states? We have 50 states, each one has a constitution, I read them all. And you will find that without exception, an appeal or a prayer to the Almighty God of this universe is contained in every single last one of them. To wit, 
We, the people of the state of North Carolina, grateful to Almighty God, the sovereign ruler of nations for the preservation of the American Union and the existence of our civil, political, and religious liberties, and they go on with their constitution. Or in Vermont, that all men have a natural and unalienable right to worship Almighty God according to the dictates of their own conscience. The state of New York, we the people of the state of New York, grateful to Almighty God for our freedom in order to secure its blessings do establish this Constitution. Every single one of the constitutions of America make reference to Almighty God. So, my friends, this is a nation under God. This is a nation that loves God, loves his word, and loves his son. In fact, I think the time has come to begin to do something about the termites in America of these ungodly, pernicious efforts that have been going on for many, many years in our country to somehow do away with our, our whole godly Christian heritage. And we're going to say no, no more. We will not have a godless state as the final authority in this world. We will have the kind of government that our founders were wise enough to give us. Let us pray and let us work that God will enable us from this day forward to begin a reversal, not a stopping, not merely a cessation, but I'm talking about a reversal of the evil that has been done to our nation. And we will know once more of a truth that this is indeed one nation under God. May we pray. Father, we thank thee for the godly men and women that built this nation, for the principles upon which they stood, for the faith that motivated them in all that they did. And we pray, O Lord, that even now, that this nation will begin a new and godly course, which will reverse most of the things that have caused the people to mourn. For your word has told us that when the unrighteous rule, the people mourn. But when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. Help us, Lord, to rejoice in thy goodness and look forward to the day when we shall see most all, if not all, of these ungodly things undone and America once again established as a godly nation, a nation that is based upon faith in thee. We ask this in the blessed name of Jesus Christ, to whom with thee, O Father and Holy Spirit, one God, be honor and praise forevermore. Amen. One of the blessings of living in America is our freedom to worship God. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord? If not, I urge you to consider the claims of Christ who says, I have come to give life to the full, and behold, I make all things new. Whatever your circumstance right now, Jesus Christ is inviting you to receive the free gift of eternal life. 
a gift that only He can give. You see, He alone died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And He rose from the dead to purchase a place for us in heaven, which He offers us as a free gift. You can receive this gift by faith right now. If you would like to know the love of God and the mercy of God, we can go to Him in prayer together right now. Simply pray, Lord Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I repent of my sins. I place my trust in you alone and ask you to grant me the gift of eternal life. Please help me to live a life pleasing to you from this day forward. Thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. I hope you prayed that prayer. And if you did, I'd like to send you a copy of Beginning Again, the book Dr. Kennedy wrote for new believers. It will help you grow in your faith as you learn how to read and study the Bible and much more. To receive your copy, just write to our address or call our toll-free number and be sure to ask for Beginning Again. God bless you as you do. As Dr. Kennedy stated, if our rights and liberties do not come from God and are not inalienable, then they come from the state. And what the state gives, the state can take away. And we are witnessing that on a number of fronts today. Even though we have a First Amendment guaranteeing free religious exercise, the Supreme Court has set itself up as the final arbiter of what those freedoms are. How have we gotten to this point? Well, you can find the answer to that in our brand new Truth in Action Q&A booklet called, What is Judicial Tyranny? This subject is one of the central issues threatening our republic. And this booklet will help you better understand how we have gotten here as a nation and what we can do about it. We will send you a three-pack of the new Truth in Action Q&A booklet, What is Judicial Tyranny?, as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 888-332-3069. Or you can go online to djkm.org. And we have another valuable resource to add to this that is very appropriate for this July 4th holiday. It's the book called The Founder's Key by Hillsdale College President Dr. Larry Arne. Our founding fathers said that our rights come from the Creator, and those God-given rights are non-negotiable. This book helps explain the importance of America sticking with the ideals and principles that the founders gave us. We will send you this outstanding, deeply researched book, The Founder's Key by Larry Arne of Hillsdale College, along with a three-pack of the Truth in Action Q&A booklet, What is Judicial Tyranny?, as our thanks for your generous donation of $40 or more to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 888-332-3069, or go online to djkm.org.
I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.